Hello and welcome back to the Other Way Podcast, the best place to tune in for creators, entrepreneurs, and digital nomads. This is Nick, your host. And I'm David. We're fast approaching the mid of August. Just realized, you know, Tokyo Olympics just successfully closed in Tokyo. Uh, really cool seeing the athletes and everything. And in Singapore, we're actually expecting National Day to come right around the corner. This year seems like it's going to be a little bit different. It's, it's, it's going to be remote. So quite cool. Like it, it, It's split up in five to- sites in total and we're just going to view it on TV again. <laughs> How about you? What has been going on with you, David? Yeah, so I'm still in Tbilisi and it's been really good so far. But I have this one interesting story. I've been having some like minor health issues having some heart palpitations the last few days and i was like oh what's going on like i usually don't have any of these symptoms right when your heart kind of skips a beat but then my friend told me here that the sparkling water which i love to drink tons of sparkling water back home she mentioned that it actually has a lot of sodium in it and when i actually looked at the back of the label to actually look about how much sodium it has, I was like shocked. So for example, you know, usually back home, there's like no sodium, but here like a bottle could have up to like a thousand milligrams of sodium per liter. So that's actually quite a lot. So I immediately decided just to drink regular water and it's starting to uh, subside. So like a little bit of a health scare, but I'm all good now. And how about on your end, Nick? <laughs> oh, that's, that's really interesting. I, I mean, like, I never knew that, like, soda water would actually have sodium. This is this kind of new t- information for me as well, because I always thought sodium, like, soda water was just, like, you know, it's a sparkling version of, like, mineral water, right? Wow, so pretty interesting. <laughs> On, on the other hand, lately I've also been into this drama series. I know I'm a little bit late to the game, but I've, I'm not sure if you've heard of The Good Place on Netflix. I have not. It's really uh, hilarious. So it's, it's a comedy show. La. It's about these four humans who died recently and then they went to heaven. And this heaven is called the good place, right? And what heaven really looks like in this place is like, it looks like a very carefully programmed AI world, like more than likely powered by Apple. You see like water fountains, you know, yoga places all around town. The town is bright and cheery. So all good people around you, right? And then you have this AI assistant that gets summoned whenever you want something in the world. So you can summon her for like a helping for example and she'll she'll best appear and then she'll she'll give it to you right there and right then so it's a quite quite hilarious show it's quite interesting as well how the writers kind of wrote this story together and quite interestingly one of the episodes actually predicted the pandemic oh. and game start head, head on right so it's, it's pretty cool like everything happened in one episode so it kind of makes me feel like hey are we actually in a simulation yeah. right yeah it's quite cool it's, it's actually cool. quite interesting because yeah. sometimes i think of you know when you watch things on tv for entertainment purposes you just want to escape from reality but in this situation right this series mm. is actually reminding you of the reality that we live in today. Sometimes we wonder, uh, is this re- reality, <laughs> right? Or are we in a game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of theories out there. Yeah, it's interesting to explore. But I mean, speaking of which, I think the pandemic especially has also kind of ruffled quite a few industries and also altered how we earn our income these days, right? So jumping right, right into the topic, today we're going to talk about like non-traditional ways of how to earn an income in the 21st century. So I mean, to start off from my side, I think the one of the more trending widespread phenomenon right now is posting videos on YouTube, right? This is this has been YouTube being the number two biggest search engine in the world, just right next to Google. I think you see a lot more people just coming on YouTube, you know, creating professional videos and talking about like different topics of interest, right? So you can talk about things like fashion, you know, talk about beauty, talk about art, you know, if there's a certain dieting journey that you're going through, there's a lot of people documenting that on YouTube. I think one easy way to think about these topics is as long as you are in the category the broad categories of health 
wealth or relationships, more than likely you will succeed, right? Because I think these three things are literally what people look for in their lives. And and if you have some good content talking about these things, more than likely people will be receptive. Yeah, I think to your point, I usually watch YouTube for like all sorts of things where like people do history lessons, people talk about traveling, uh, personal finance. So whatever topic you can name it, right? So I that's why I've been so surprised about, about like YouTube as well. And that any topic that can drive engagement and shares, I think ultimately you just have to make something that is entertaining. Mm, exactly. And I think um, to that, I think one common misconception is that people think it's just posting. So so I think a generation before us, they will be quite the idea of like just earning from YouTube might be a bit of a weird thing for them because they can't wrap their minds around it right but I think posting on YouTube takes more effort than you would normally think right when you post a video I think what goes on in the back end you actually uh, write a script right uh, very similar to what we're doing for this podcast we kind of write our own scripts you know like we try to what are your A roles what your B roles are what, what are your professional shots you gotta take care of the lighting to make sure whatever you're, you're talking on screen you are well lit yeah and then you go into the video editing and then it's actually launching your video on youtube right and kind of following the algorithm to see where it takes you it's a it's a lot of work and it can take up quite a bit of your time so i mean for listeners if if you're intending to explore this path uh just know that it it is not a one quick get rich kind of uh, a method but it's definitely worth exploring right if you're into you know like filming yourself and really sharing your journey i think this 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 world right now is all about sharing your individual journey with the world if you have something to say or like an interesting idea to share i think the world is more receptive to want to know about it these days as well yeah exactly and also to add to that right it's just not about making that one viral video that gets like 20 million 30 million views right it's you know i would love to just uh, yeah if it was a universe where i could just like make you know one like viral videos like one shot like no guesswork no preparation i mean that'd be amazing but in actuality it is it is a lot of work but it can actually pay off, right? By having like subscribers and like you can make a lot of money through ads. So that's kind of the way like you have to think about that. Yeah, exactly. And I think for my memory when I was uh, kind of dabbling in uh, uh, finding out if I wanted to do YouTube, I think their minimum criteria was 50 watch hours. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm remembering correctly. 50 watch hours and 1,000 true subscribers. So that that's kind of like the benchmark before you are able to monetize your content and then i think beyond that you gotta pay attention to things like the seo right are your keywords relevant to what the youtube audience is searching for so your seo for google is very different from what you have on youtube because people are just searching for more like health recipes and help topics on google but i think youtube they are just searching for more entertainment so so things are like maybe like related to entertainment the media what what the your stars are your pop stars are doing you know k-pop yeah the kind of intent is very very different yeah so i was gonna say you know beyond posting videos on YouTube, like what else, you know, jobs or hustles that people do in order to make money outside of the corporate world? Mm, I think so. We are going down to number two, and that is remote freelancing, right? So, this is the likes of your Upwork, your Fiverr, and freelancer.com, just to name a few. I'm not sure if you've experienced them, uh, but I think typically what happens on these platforms these days, they kind of transform the traditional way of freelancing where you are actually supposed to you know prepare your offer and go out there searching for clients this platform brings both clients as well as freelancers in one platform online and what you really got to do is just to be clear that the nature of the service you're offering right is, is it like copywriting is 
it podcast editing? You know, is it website building? So all, all sorts of skills are needed these days. And you just go onto website and then you just split your offering to maybe three different tiers, right? Usually it comes in basic, advanced and premium tiers and then you charge your buyers according to the job. So, you know, you're leveraging your skill that you have right now, which is actually really nice, but you're disaggregating it. So instead of working for just one company, you could work for like many companies. You could decide to work on this project for one company for like, you know, 20 hours and this other company B for like two hours, right? So you get to pick and choose what projects you want to work on and the scope. So in a way, it's nice. Some people actually like that way. And they might say, you know what, I'm going to work, you know, six months out of the year and then like not work for the other six, right? So it gives you that flexibility versus if you're a more traditional salaried employee, you don't have a kind of flexibility, not as much as say with a freelancer, right? So I've met, you know, the tons of people freelancing and who actually are like nomads as well, right? Because of the flexibility in sort of that work. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's also a lot of demand building up right now, right? More than likely, we are torn apart in terms of like, if you want to build a side hustle, usually what you need is like a website, you know, and you need design work, and you need the copywriting work. So I think the, the demand is there. So that, this is more than likely where startup owners go to for services. I, I mean, even for this podcast, right? We have a very, mm-hmm. very dedicated, skilled podcast editor. Her name's Christine Rebel. So shout out to you, Christine. Really love your editing and stuff. I think for us, you know, like the podcasting is great. But, you know, after all that planning of the content we want to talk about, you know, like recording and putting things together, you do also need a, a very sturdy editor. So I think we found that for us. And right now, it's just it's just a very nice process. When, wherever we come up with podcast content, right, we have a very dedicated editor to just take the editing off from us so we can focus on the things that build the most value in this podcast, right? And that's delivering the ideas and stories to you through this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, we don't need to hire like, Christine full-time, right? So, you know, she has other clients as well. And it actually, the model actually works for us really well. And, you know, I, I people kind of ask sometimes, like, what can I freelance? And have, if you ever go on Fiverr Upwork, you could do almost anything, right? Marketing, consulting, translation, editing, like, you name it. So, you know, I think that's what it goes to sort of speaks to the power of the internet, right? We hire people that is not based in the same country or the same region and that's okay too right because the work can be done online it's interesting also because this is also like a bit of an advancement right so what used to be like location bound like right now you you can literally work with people from all over the world and if you are a night person for example you prefer to work in the night then by all means you know you engage customers who are working on the other side of the world in the hours at night you see so it's pretty pretty cool right now where things are moving to what are the earning opportunities are there david yeah i would say like you know beyond that you could think about when you think about just beyond selling a skill then you're trying to transition into sort of starting your own business right whether it's like you know as simple as like selling handmade items on an etsy store you could you could like be a blogger or a vlogger making websites making art right so beyond just selling a particular skill you could actually start a small business and companies like Etsy allows you to do that. So I think that's actually really important, right? Because it allows you to actually scale. And so that's the thing about like freelancing or working a traditional salary job is that there's not a potential to to build scale, right? Because for example, like if I were trying to sell my skills as a software engineer, well, I can only work so many hours in the week, right? So it's it's limited to the upper bound of that. So I think that's a limitation of thinking about like freelancing, right? Basically selling your skill for, you know, selling your skill for money because that's usually like you sell it at an hourly rate or it takes certain time to do a project. But if you think about, okay, well, if I want to be an entrepreneur, if I can 
if you want to think about that scale, then you got to think about selling a service and a product that's repeatable that does not require you to like you know work X number of hours per week, or it's not it's not a function of that, right? So having like an online store might be actually a good place because if, for example, you're selling I don't know, pillows and you have a manufacturer in China, well, you know, selling like a hundred pillows versus a thousand pillows, it's not necessarily like a thousand hours of work, but it's like some percentage higher than that. That's much smaller, right? So the cost of the time of selling like 10x your product might be like, I don't know, like 10% extra time. And so I think that's something that you have to think about in terms of like getting to the next tier of like, what do you do outside of corporate job in terms of like making money? Mm, exactly. Personally, I've tried marketplaces like Etsy as well. Similarly, I think what's happening in Asia these days is also like there's a lot of internet companies that are trying to be the next Amazon, right? So you have your Lazada, your Q10, your Shopee, Tokopedia in the region. So there's a multiple marketplaces right now where you can just kind of set up a store within a day and you are up and running, you see. I think within a week, once your store is verified and stuff, you know, you can start selling your items already. So what the trend is happening right now is that there's a lot of uh, product arbitrage happening. So there are people literally buying items from uh, China, for example, on a wholesale basis, and then they bring it into their local warehouses in their local countries, and then they list all their items onto these marketplaces. So they, they sell it for uh, like a profit. So this is also just one way of how you can kind of run a little sideline. Typically, these marketplaces, they charge like maybe 3 to 5% commission. But what you get is that you don't have to worry about like getting traffic, you see, because these marketplaces are already rich in terms of their daily traffic. They have uh, users shopping for items every day already. What you just need to do is to make sure when you list your items, you know, if you're you're selling for like your example, uh, David, like uh, pillowcases, for example, make sure the words pillowcases are inside and maybe you list down like the color. Is it like blue, you know, like pink mm-hmm. color? pattern pattern designs as long as all your keywords are in the listing more than likely people will be able to find your item and that's how you get sales yeah and i think to that point i think we touched on like a higher level issues like the web the internet makes things possible that wasn't possible maybe like 15 20 30 years ago your potential like customer base is global right imagine like having doing like running something a pillow store 20 years ago like how would you how it would be much harder because the internet was not that mature enough like maybe your customer base is quite limited and so now like there's so many ways to make money on online and that's the way you do it right through all these things a side note on etsy or just something tangentially related to etsy rather is that having websites is actually a great tool in order to make money so you know what does that mean right like having your own blog becoming like a vlogger for example on youtube and actually having different websites that's not necessarily a blog but having like having basically a web presence online so that traffic is driven to your website while you're selling a particular product. But even if you're not actually selling a product, you're just having an informational site. Usually that's what a blog is. Or like, I know I've been on like many different like informational sites that tells me, I don't know, like things to do as a, you know, as a digital nomad, like things to do in uh, Tbilisi where I am right now, or like, I like history. So like there's some history blogs that I follow. So that's all about sort of the next thing. When you have enough audience to your website, then you can make money by having something, you know, by running ads on that website or having affiliate links if you're making product recommendations, right? And actually it could be it could be a lot of money. So I was actually researching this the other day and like, well, how how much do these sites make, right? And so typically they call this thing called RPMs, which is revenue per 1,000 views. And so if you actually have ads on this website, 
for example, your RPM could be anywhere from like five to twenty-five dollars per one thousand views. So, like, I feel like I have like a thousand, two thousand friends, right? Like acquaintances that I've maybe met over the years. Like, if I could get all those like two thousand people on my website, maybe it could be like up to fifty dollars of revenue for for that site alone. And and so, like, can you imagine then like a blog or an informational site that gets like a million views a month? Like think about how much money you could potentially earn, and actually a lot of revenue you could earn. So I think that's interesting, right? That is compelling, and I think that's something that maybe people don't understand. That it's not just like making ends meet. You could actually have a successful blog that actually makes a lot of money for you by creating good content that drives traffic to your website.、Mm, I totally agree. I mean, it's actually it's really building an audience of your own, right? And then, like what you mentioned, the number four category that we're introducing is blogging and affiliate marketing. So it's all about page views and how do you drive traffic to your site based on relevant content, right? And and again, to do well, it's really to really pick a niche topic that you're passionate about. Because earlier we mentioned, it's it's all about like consistency, right? How long do you see yourself blogging about this topic for the next like two years, you know, five years, ten years down the road, right? I think a very Well received topic for blogs、uh, turns out to be like a lot of、uh, sharing recipes online. I think the other one is like finance once again, right? I follow a few blogs that are financial blogs that talks about like the latest stocks that you look up for and stuff like that. I think the complicated part of like this website making is usually the SEO. So as long as you kind of optimize your content to be SEO friendly, it makes sure it matches with the audience on Google. More than likely, your、uh, articles will start to get found over a period of time. So it starts with crickets. Yeah, exactly.、Uh, Don't get me wrong. Start with crickets, and then week after week, you eventually your effort kind of compounds over time, and that I think that's the beauty of like、um, blogging. Exactly, and actually to your point, I actually follow this blog, and he was talking about how he wanted he quit corporate America because he wants to like run own some websites to drive traffic, and he says yeah, he didn't get to like the revenue that he was overnight, but it took him a process of four years, so he went from zero to twenty thousand dollars a month in ad revenue, and it took him four years, and that's that's pretty good, like twenty thousand a month, that's like two hundred fifty thousand, and he loves what he's doing, and to your point about sort of these like specific topics that you want to drive traffic. To, for example, this is a very famous travel blog called the Points Guy. He talks about how to optimize your, you know, to travel website. Talking about like specifically credit card points, a loyalty points for different like airline partners and hotel partners, and it's, it's definitely a multi-million dollar business. And he started like maybe eight nine years ago. And like everyone that I've known, a lot of my friends, they know about this blog. And it, and it started off as that, like running affiliate links, driving traffic to the website, running ads against it. But now it's like so much more. So I and and that that's and this is the site that he runs today, right? So that's that's really amazing to hear stories like that. Mm. And I like it that he actually mentioned that it's four years. It's not like one year. <laughs> so I think a lot of us, especially in our generation, right, like the instant generation, we tend to seek like the thrill just within like a one to two months yeah, of deployment,、yeah. right? That's not gonna happen. No, so yeah, exactly, we, we gotta be realistic about this. And then if you look at your timeline over four years, and then you try to do it consistently, no matter if it's not even delivering results, for example, in the first year, so be it, right? Because what you will get in time to come, Google. Recognize that you are consistent with your effort, and that's the point when it will realize. Okay, maybe I can start showing more of your articles because you are active blogger. Exactly. Yeah. See, that's partly how the algorithm works. Take for example, like you know your corporate job. Like I'm a programmer, but I didn't. You know, I've been doing this for like many, many years ago, but I wasn't like an expert on day one, right? So why do people? 
also not apply that model to like freelancing, building up your own, own business. You can't be a millionaire overnight. It's impossible, right? You need to basically put time and effort. Like, like you said, consistency is the key. Mm, totally agree. I think to leverage on like, uh, since this we're on the topic of blogging and affiliate marketing, I think the other, the next stage, if say you have an audience, right, this is literally the value of your, your business right now, the number of eyeballs you get on your website. So this is an asset, right? I think the next stage of what you can do with this audience is also to do kind of like features, brand features, business features, or product features, for example, on your website, where you can charge these businesses that wants to gain visibility through a website a nominal fee right so you can charge maybe like 2 to 3k you know or 3 to 5k depending on the size of, of your website for an article that talks about their product so it could be a software for example it could be a, a new cafe in town for example you know like this is this is your uh, space for this is probably like the new billboard of uh, this 21st century where companies will pay you uh, a fee just to get listed and talked about on your page right so that, that's the second source of revenue you dabbled in this as well did you want to speak more to that so for me i'm kind of still at the stages of building the website and getting the seo to work for me so not exactly yet <laughs> yeah not exactly yet but i think the third thing that you can do as well for affiliate marketing right is once you kind of like list your websites for ads and stuff where, where you talk about companies and products right you can also insert affiliate links so these are typically links that you get from software companies for example if you're selling a SaaS, you know or if you can sell uh, products from amazon you get you get a, a link from them and every time a, a user clicks on that link from your website to go into your, their website and purchase and uh, something from them you take about like uh you know five to ten percent or even twenty percent commission depending on the company so this is actually the third source of revenue that you can get from a blog right so i mean all in all i think based on all the examples we've listed so far blogging and affiliate marketing actually seems to have the longest legs in terms of like earning potential yeah yeah and i've you know personal blogs for example i made tons of it's kind of like the thing to do as a nomad right is to have this kind of job that pays you a salary but also a lot of people have their own personal blogs and and sometimes like it makes enough money or makes even more money that they just quit their job entirely and they just do like personal blogging and they love it because they're making money on their own terms and it's just like you said affiliate marketing right like having links that you recommend and it's all about sometimes like you know people want to become a traveler like how how do i what insurance i need to purchase like what airlines do i go to like what do i buy all of those things can can you could actually have an affiliate link to it right on amazon for example because you could recommend products to your uh to your audience mm. so i haven't had a chance to meet much like affiliate bloggers or like you know like people here in singapore but how, how about you david have you ever met like people maybe in bali for example who are doing this kind of affiliate marketing i, I think everyone who has a travel blog and is making product recommendations will have some kind of affiliate link right like even for you know for example for me like a lot of this a lot of travelers a lot of nomads use this insurance company for nomads called safety wing and so like like I'm not like I'm not trying to, you know I you know when people on a very small scale they ask me like hey like what kind of insurance should I get I just give them this link in within my affiliate link and like yeah here here's like what I recommend and so and I would you know eventually so I, for me I'm actually trying to start my own personal blog as I'm traveling so more to come on that in a little bit but I I meet so there's there's a couple of them you know when they travel they say hey like think about like optimizing like what should I what kind of luggage should I carry? Should I go with like a, like a hard top? Should I do a backpacking backpack? And so they just make 
these recommendations. And I think a lot of it, sometimes if you're like backpacking or you're doing like, like a two, three week backpacking trip, you know, having like a local travel site, you're actually making product recommendations. And so it could be for anything like long-term travelers, vacationers, or just like backpackers, like what in every kind of uh, vertical within the travel space, I think there is a potential to uh, do some affiliate marketing. Mm, that's true. I think the beauty of this is as well, how deep can you dig into the topic, right? So I'm always amazed at uh, how some of these bloggers, you know, they can talk about like, for example, travel, they can talk about like air miles, and then they go into like bags, you know, bags, and it goes to like a, the one-on-one guide on how to take a weekend trip away. So I mean, through building like this whole entire content experience, they call it content pillars, right? You actually get to talk about different things from different lenses, and then is where you can kind of slot the different product recommendations that you would like your users or, or your viewers to actually try out based on your recommendations, right? So it's a pretty lucrative industry, I would say. Yeah, and one thing about that is kind of, I think you brought up a good point about sort of knowing your audience because sometimes like even for, you know, to be honest, in, in just as I'm traveling, there's actually not a lot of Asian digital nomads and I think that should change, right? I think uh, especially like, agents from the West who have the opportunity to work remotely, they could do it as well. But also, I think it's maybe shifting that maybe also in East Asia and Southeast Asia, I would assume that in the future, the future of remote work will be much more ubiquitous, right? And so I think we're just like going on the precipice of this opportunity. And not to say that you have to be a certain race to do it, but I think sometimes when you see someone that looks like you and you're talking about your experiences, it's just more relatable, right? Especially if you have similar backgrounds, right? That's just natural. And so there is, I think, you know, people always think, oh, man, like all the niches, every, it's all been talked about. And I, I disagree, right? Because as we're innovating as a society, there's always going to be new topics to be talked about, like new product ideas, new services. And then you could drive, and if they have a referral program, like most companies that are smart will always have an affiliate program because they want to, or have ambassadors, right? Because they want to have people who support the products then, right? be an advocate for the product or service, and then they could give them, reward them with a commission, right? I think that's smart. And so there's always opportunity there. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. I mean, your customers are your greatest yes. salesmen, right? Some say. So, I mean, that saying is uh, kind of the foundation of like how you run this referral exactly. programs and stuff. Yeah, cool. So, number five, I think I'm, I'm going to jump on to the next way of earning an income. I think, I think it's uh, traditionally we are all about stocks investment but i want to maybe like uh lean in to uh, your thoughts about crypto david you know i think crypto has also been trending for a bit right now and also with that you have a lot of talks with like nfts you know gaming communities it's very like cyber world these days so it's, it's still a very weird industry for me i'm, I'm not exactly gain hold of it this what this wanted to see your thoughts what, what about uh crypto yeah, yeah, I could I could speak to this. And I think this is kind of, you know, in general, right? The, we've all talked about like all of these things, right? Like having a job at a corporation, that's like active income, right? You need to actually put in time. Freelancing, it's active income, right? Starting a business, writing a blog, it takes work, right? Um, and it's not maybe truly passive, right? But having stocks, having crypto is truly a form of uh, passive income because eventually like, you know, making income, you're trying to build something called wealth, right? And so that's how rich people remain rich, right? Is because 
wealth begets more wealth. And so stocks mm. is a great way to build wealth. And now, you know, crypto people, they've said that, and I still believe it, right? That crypto could be a once in lifetime generation for millennials to actually build wealth quickly. I'm not advocating for like putting your entire money, you know, I'm not advocating at all to put all your money into crypto. And, you know, obviously our advice is not, it should not be taken as, what we say should not be taken as financial advice. But, you know, for me, like I always say, it's good to diversify your portfolio. And I would always say like, put more, I, for me, like I put no more than 5% of my net worth into crypto just because if it does, if it does go down, like it doesn't actually affect like my overall wealth, right? Just a little bit. But I've actually, through my traveling, I've met, <laughs> I've met people who are like crypto traders. So like what they do is they buy and sell that technically is more risky. Like I am always like buy and hold. So like throughout the last decade, I bought just a little bit, a little bit of the top 20, right? It's it's nowhere near like to me, it's for me, it's, it's, I've not gone like, it hasn't got me like crazy, crazy wealthy, like hasn't done that, but it basically buffers my portfolio to the point where I feel happy, right? That it's actually like, I'm growing, like my wealth has grown a little bit with the fact of the explosion of the crypto market. I actually knew someone that founded their own cryptocurrency uh, their own oh, coin, cool. which is actually pretty amazing. And people who are trying to make the ecosystem more transparent to actually process transactions faster, right? So you don't have to like necessarily like found your own coin or like buy and sell cryptocurrency. A lot of people actually are freelancing or like they're they're basically blockchain engineers, right? Trying to work on the plumbing, right? In sort of the cryptocurrency space. So I think that's actually really interesting as well. Cool, cool. I think personally, I've also experimented buying a few crypto coins uh, here and there, you know, like during the, the coin boom, everyone was just talking about like, hey, this is the next coin, this is the next coin. So I have also been part of that whole, okay, maybe I should just buy a little bit of this, a little bit, get my feet wet, right? So, but same sentiments as you, David, I tend to split my investments in stocks, ETFs, you know, crypto, and then uh, hopefully in the future, I will have like property as, as this other di diversified arm to my investment portfolio yeah so i mean for crypto i think it is still kind of like evolving up and down right so we we never know but i mean if, if you want to just wet your feet a bit i think i'd still encourage you to just like try try a little bit don't buy too much if you don't have a, a lot to play with and and you still diversify with with the rest of the investment uh, vehicles i have this cool crypto wallet as well at the same time it's called coinbase so this is another way the crypto environment is evolving right coinbase is kind of like a digital bank which uh, allows you to kind of keep your crypto coins inside and it earns you like a rate of seven to ten percent interest on a weekly basis so this is also another little way to just make your your coins work harder for you and i think by far coinbase is more or less the safest kind of like digital bank that I've managed to find so far also recommended by my friends so I thought it's a very interesting space that is that that is happening right now with the crypto environment yeah I, that that's crazy you're saying seven to ten interest on a week weekly basis or is it basically compounded or you compounded weekly weekly basis okay so they, they have different ways of calculating yeah they have different ways of calculating the the interest so based on your coin for example right maybe bitcoin for example it earns you like a six percent right so this this happens within this week but then next week it might drop to four percent so so they have a way of calculating the interest but overall i think your interest rate is uh way higher than than typical banks and stuff uh. <laughs> Yeah, beats beats having a savings account, right? And I would say it's like kind of a nice like store of value, and it's it's think about it as again an alternative investment. And again, you know, like this is 
you know, this is kind of our experience of speaking to it. And yeah, like I have a little bit, there's an also an alternative one besides Coinbase. It's something called a uh, Gemini, which I actually use as well, but pretty similar thing, right? The APR is much higher. The, the annual percentage rate is much higher and it's compounded, you know, not on a yearly basis, but weekly or daily basis, right? So you get a little bit more than like, you know, if it's 7%, you get a little bit more than 7%, right? Just because of the way it's compounded. But it's actually really good. And I always say like, just buy and hold. Like you don't need to trade, like you don't need to trade because you typically like if you were to, Give example, if you were to invest like in Bitcoin 10 years ago and you didn't touch it, you didn't trade it, like think about how much money you would have today, right? Obviously, I never bought Bitcoin when it first bought out, when it first came out in 2010, but it, it's 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 pretty crazy how much it's grown, right? So again, crypto is a way, avenue to like build wealth in addition to like traditional stocks. And that's what, you know, we've employed too. Exactly. So, I mean, once again, this this whole strategy, you, you want to look at like the, a period of like four to five years to before you want to like see whether you've made money or, or not, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, for me, I see myself as like as a value investor rather than like a short seller. So, if you're short selling, I think the, the entire space is definitely tiring for you because you, you need to kind of rebalance your portfolio every now and then, you know, your, your, your mind is constantly just thinking, when do I sell? When do I buy? It, it's quite cri- crippling and it kind of affects your daily life so not encouraged until, unless you are really into it so feel free to but for me I think I'm more of a value investor yeah. so I want to I want to be able to sleep soundly yeah. without thinking so much about when is the market going to like drop again right <laughs> yeah exactly I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to sleep at night as well I think we are almost reaching the end I think I want to also just lean in on alternative what other more niche alternative methods of uh, earning right so I, I do realize there are apart from what's mainstream and commonly known that there are also other ways of like earning so not sure David if you have like some other examples interesting examples that you've seen so far that you would like to share yeah yeah i would i have a few actually uh and and this sort of tie it all up right like all of the things we mentioned about freelancing you know having starting your own business drop shipping blogging crypto investments all of this kind of prepares you to make money while living remotely right all of this all of this can be done remotely i think it's amazing right you don't need to have and with the pandemic even having a corporate salary job allows you to work remotely if you have a job you know that is primarily like can be done over the computer right so obviously we understand that you know if you're in manufacturing that might not be possible but all of this ties in together then you know like for me I'm a big fan of just working remotely, like choosing where to live as you're kind of working through, you know, your your gigs, right? Whether it's like a, you know, couple months, a couple of weeks, at least it gives you that opportunity to like travel around as you're working on your business. So I think that's actually really important. And that, you know, through my travels, like in Bali, in Bangkok, in Europe, you know, I've, I've met, yeah, just interesting people, right, along the way. And, you know, in Bali, you get your fair share of like crypto traders, but I don't think we actually mentioned this as well. Like actually a lot of people make money through being IG influencers. I mean, I guess like people knew that already, right? But I've noticed that if you want to get started out as an influencer, you actually have to go to Bali because it's just this island is just so beautiful. I'm not, I'm not advocating that people go to Bali just for that, right? I think there's actually problem. It's problematic sometimes. Like people just think of like Bali through the lens of just like a perfect shot of of these influences, right? So, but beyond that, like I see a lot of people that I've met who are just getting started because it's the, it's it's very affordable, and and I and then to me that's like crazy. I'm like I I just was so amazed that there is actually an economy. So many influencers in Bali. I'm just shocked that it seems to be that somehow like there is a market for this, and people will give you money to promote 
their business or allow you to stay for free. And so I was actually quite shocked observing this trend, right? And then in Bali, you get your more traditional English teachers, right? There's a lot of demand for uh, online teachers, especially in East Asia. So I met tons of teachers who actually teach online to students in China, right? So that's one of the biggest markets, obviously. And it's kind of nice, right? Having English be the uh, international language. Anywhere you go in Asia, there's always there's always like students learning, trying to learn English in every single country in Asia. So I think that's actually pretty cool. In where I'm in Tbilisi, I've I've met some corporate types who quit their job in corporate, but now they just have their own travel blog and they've been traveling now for like five, six years. And that's pretty amazing. In Bangkok, I met someone who was, uh, he worked for Agoda, he quit his job and he, he founded his own vegan protein powder company. So it, back home in America, people have built their own like apps. They sell in the app store. So again, prioritizing your knowledge. And some people like sell stuff on Amazon. So I guess there's, this is all to say that there's tons of way to make money. What I have to always say that when you meet different people, uh, as you're traveling, if you can expand your network, get to know different kinds of people and actually ask them how they, how they actually start a business or how they're making money, you can also, right, do the same, right? It gives you that idea to sort of do your own thing. So I think that's actually what I've come to think about sort of my experiences as traveling. It, it, it has opened me up to the possibilities of like making money in, in many, many different ways. Mm, agree. I think it's really just being flexible, right? Yes. And and the sky's the limit, right? These days with the internet age, you know, you're hyper-connected. You, you can reach someone from the other side of the world and just click yes. and the opportunities are endless, right? So... Amazing. Thank, thank, thanks for sharing all those stories. I think it's, it's, it's a good session and I think it's, it's a nice place to end. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share with our listeners? I would always say, again, this is this like fear thing, right? Like if you have the ability to sort of, you know, like you have to hustle and you want to work hard and you are consistent, it will always pay off. Mm, exactly. I think for me on my side, it's also like we have a full-time job. and But just because a full-time job takes up most of our time, I think we shouldn't also dispel like there are alternative ways of earning money. So if, if we're able to just like balance it out, you know, let's on both sides of this opportunity, it is the world is going to be your oyster. <laughs> exactly. I think just simply to say, yeah. right? Cool. Okay, so we're so happy that uh you guys managed to join us for this podcast episode again. As always, you know, if you have any suggestions, feel free to ping us on IG. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this episode as well, please hold up onto Apple iTunes and give us a five-star rating. That also gives us more visibility on air, which gives us opportunity to connect to more listeners like you. Right, so that's a good one. Stay positive, you know, stay safe, guys. We will see you next week. Okay, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>